Disclaimer. I am not a professional sound mixer, so the quality of this podcast might not be the best, but we still hope you enjoy our very first episode of Japanese Power Rangers for Dummies. Well, hello, my fellow students. Welcome to Japanese Power Rangers for Dummies podcast. I am Tech Senpai, and with me is Howie Kohai. Hello, fellow students. <laughs> well, this is our first episode of our podcast, and we started this off with a bang going to watch well we did already watch it but we watched it beforehand we watched Kyoryu Sentai Jew Ranger but we first watched the first six episodes of that Sentai which I like to call the Daijujin arc which we will get into once we get here so what we watched is the 16th Super Sentai series which is about a group of mythical warriors that were sealed away millions of years ago where humans and dinosaurs and other old school, well, is it really cool? the old school? No, no, no. Legendary animals used to live. I think old school is a little uh, wrong to say. <laughs> um, lived in harmony until an evil witch known as Bandora started wreaking havoc on the planet. And the Guardian Beasts, which are pretty much the gods of this show, punished Bandora by banishing her onto a planet known as Nemesis for millions of years. And then millions of years later, astronauts landed on the planet and released Bandora from her seal. And now she is back trying to destroy the Earth and... The five warriors are summoned to fight against her. So we're just what we're gonna do is that we are going to discuss each episode individually. So we're gonna start with the first episode, which was called Birth. And I'm gonna have Howie start. How did you like the first episode? I thought it was a lot of fun. So a little bit of background on where I'm coming from. Um, I I grew up with a little bit of Power Rangers. Um, my mom is from Thailand, and she took ESL classes, um, and there were a lot of Japanese ladies there, so she got to know them. Um, and they, her, uh, those kids, the kids of the um, other students in ESL. Um, I would watch uh, Power Rangers with them, but I was so young that I, like, don't remember anything. So this was a pretty fun experience for me. I didn't really know what to expect, especially since it came out in 92. Um, you know, everything is so different than, you know, what you see now. Um, I, I was also born in 92, so I don't think I've ever this is your birthday this. sentai this is my birthday sentai so i love that we started out with this um 
but yeah, I really enjoyed the first episode. And as I was telling Tech Senpai as we were watching it, he's going to hear me talk about it again. Um, <laughs> I have a huge crush on Pandora. I think she's pretty smoking. Uh, yeah, she's pretty evil. Um, I'll ignore that part because uh, she's beautiful. But... <laughs> I mean, compared to the other henchmen, she is the most tr- she is the most uh, good looking out of all the villains of this series. Absolutely, and I think just for a villain in general, like she was super fabulous and gorgeous. So yeah, there's my little tidbit on uh, my initial reaction to the villain. Uh- <laughs> yeah. So so for those of you who don't know, um, uh, Bandora is played by Machiko Soga, who was a pretty popular tokusatsu actress in Japan. She was in so many Super Sentais. I mean, she was in, uh, like, oh God, there's so many. She was in, uh, like, Battle Fever J, uh, da- uh, Denji Man, uh, Sun Vulcan. Like, I can't... I, I, <laughs> There's so many that I can't name everything off the top, but she's been in like almost every super, every like popular Super Sentai that has been around. So she's a veteran. So she's been around since like the 70s. So, and she was amazing. Um, uh, unfortunately, though, she, the actress is no longer with us. She passed away in, I think, 2005. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, well, you know, she died of old, I believe it was old age. I have to look it up. I, I, I may be a senpai, but I don't know everything, but she was great. Um, she is very good at playing a villain. She mostly played villain role. Uh, she died in 2006, right after she did Maji Ranger. And interestingly enough, that was a non-villain role. She was actually a good person in that show. Actually, I got the age wrong when we were watching it during the reaction because she was actually 54 when she did this role. Oh my God, get it. Damn. She was 54. She was born in March 18th of of 1938. Wow. So wow. um but yeah, Bandora is is a very fun villain. Um one thing as somebody who has seen a uh, Jew Ranger so many times. I've, I think it's like my fourth time seeing it. One thing I really like about uh, Jew Ranger as a series, besides the fact that it's pretty divisive against uh, Toku people. Some people like it. Some people really don't like it. And I, I can see why. Because Jew Ranger came out right after another Sentai, which is actually one of my favorite Super Sentais of all time, came out. And that Sentai was a very grounded, a little more grounded to reality, kind of darker type of story with a lot of, like, more, I wouldn't say adult, but, like, more mature themes in it. Well, this is clearly more aimed at a younger audience. 
Yeah. Like, it is clear from the way it's made that it was made for, like, kids' kids, not, like, older kids. Yeah, and I, um, so I'm a huge fan of, generally, as far as kids' shows go, I'm usually a, a cartoon person. Like, I thoroughly enjoy, um, like, super silly shows, like, Adventure Time, um, but I also enjoy some shows that are made for a little bit of a more mature audience, like The Owl House. Um, I, you know, people may have their own opinions on that, but I really did enjoy all of the silliness of this. I mean, like, I'm curious, is the divisiveness in the community, does that have to do with any of these tones of, like, campiness? Because I get this real big campy feeling, and that shit I love. But I do know that it's not everybody's thing. I mean, I feel like, as, as me, as a Toku fan, we've all agreed and understood that these shows can get very corny, especially considering they're made on the cheap, very cheap. These are cheaply made television for children. So we agree on that. But I feel like a lot of fans have a limit to how much campiness there can be in shows. Especially if you started watching uh, Super Sentai specifically um, and watching certain Super Sentais. Like, I feel like if you were somebody who started watching Super Sentai and started watching like some of the older ones, especially the ones in the 80s, that are a little bit more darker, have a little bit more of a bite to them, then seeing something like this can be very off-putting. That makes a lot of sense. That does. But I feel like... I feel like with this one, like, we'll get into it more once we go into the other episodes, but, like, when you think about this show, it actually is a lot darker than you think. But, um... We'll get into this episode. So in the first episode, um, we and what happens is is that we see uh, Barza, who is this older man who like works in a condominium as like a as as like a worker there, and um, he notices a television feed of astronauts going to the planet Nemesis and finding the seal where Bandora is found and then releasing her. And then she wreaks havoc in on the planet, well, specifically Japan, because that's where it's filmed. And um, he um, goes and releases uh, the five warriors from the past, which are uh, Goshi, Boy, Mei, and Dan. Uh, there's a fifth one, like I said before, but of course they have to tease us and he doesn't get released right away. So the four of them have to go out and try to fight Bandora, but then at the last second, Geki, who is the fifth hero and the leader, comes out and saves the, saves everybody and then they transform into the Jew Rangers and kick some major monster butt. Now, what I wanted to ask about... Uh, for you specifically in this episode, uh, based on what you've seen, who out of all the the hero characters, who is your favorite from just first episode um, reactions? Hmm. Of the Rangers. Yes, of the the hero, the, the Rangers. 
let's see. So, I mean, I know that that Geki came later um, in this particular episode, but what surprised me was I am usually kind of not a big fan of the leaders in general in that sort of uh, hero setup. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not a leader. Um, but what I did like was, you know, how much the rest of the team was like, yeah, you're the leader and you got this and you carry us. And like, and it made me like him. Um, it, it didn't make me feel like he was this, this, this leader that was like, oh yeah, I'm better. And like, I'm the best. And that's why I'm a leader. It really did feel like he was just a genuine part of the team like even though he was considered a leader there didn't feel like much of a an actual hierarchy so yeah yeah I mean, that I was... definitely that that definitely makes sense like that's a good way of describing geki as a character and plus the actor who plays him uh yuta mochizuki um is is really good like he also is uh been in a lot of tokus um, but mostly as the same character, Geki, because, of course, Geki makes appearances in other toku stuff. Um, and he's really good at giving that performance of, I'm the leader, but I genuinely care about my team. I am not the leader because I am the strongest. I am the leader because I'm the one who brings everybody together. Yeah, I was definitely getting that vibe. And honestly, I mean, especially with, you know, all of these superhero movies and shows, um, which I do enjoy, but it, you know, they tend to fall into the leader equals stronger type thing. And yeah. it was just really refreshing to to not get that kind of overt, like, yeah, well, I'm the biggest badass. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, like... Geki earns his badass title by just, you know, having cool moments instead of just being the strongest. So um, going on with this episode, so what happens is, is that after the Jew Rangers tried to uh, stop Bandura, Bandura also took the, uh, the space shuttle, which apparently had children in it for some reason, and <laughs> shrunk it to size and took the children away with uh, with her and with her first monster of the week monster, which is Dora Titan. And that was the end of that episode. Um, so, oh, one thing I will ask before we get into episode two is, what do you think of both the opening and closing theme of the show? Okay, first of all, the music. I super dig it. It is so much fun you know the music i mean throughout the whole episode as well but specifically for the opener i thought it was really fun um but i did i did like the opener in the sense that you got to see you know all of the rangers and all of the um you know their their gods uh individually um and so I thought that was that was pretty neat. Uh, and I love the outro. I gotta say the outro is something special. It is so fucking silly. I love it. You just got Mae running around in a wedding dress. 
You know, like you got a random pug dressed up with a hat, just chilling. Yeah, freaking, freaking goshi and like a mountain biking gear and just yeah. falling down on his bike. Oh my god, that one. Okay, I gotta say that one's probably my favorite. Maybe it's because it's so relatable to me because that's pretty yeah, much what happened last time I got um, on their a bike. Fish- and also they're fishing and then like they catch like a boot with a bunch of fish in it. Oh yeah, they drop the boot and all the fish like <sighs> Yeah, the cat steals one of the boots. Oh my god. See, yeah, that's I mean that's one of the that kind of vibe is present in the show, you know, and it just makes it so much fun. Yeah. Um my wife also really likes Jew Ranger. My wife enjoyed Jew Ranger, and I think for the most part, and I think she also really liked the theme. I think she liked the outro too. The outro I think was her favorite thing about like the show. Dude, phenomenal outro, uh, phenomenal. Um, so we're gonna go into episode two now. In episode two, um, the Jew Rangers are trying to find the shuttle, and then they also go into a deep backstory about uh, how they came to be. And what they explain is that uh, 170 million years ago, dinosaurs and humans lived together and they made tribes. They were five tribes that were uh, created to um, bring like humanity to- together at the time. But what happened was was that um, Bondora came and wreaked havoc on the planet. And then the guardian beasts, who are pretty much the gods of each of the five tribes, went, enough is enough. We're done here. You get out of our planet. We're going to seal you away on a distant planet. And then to punish you for what you did... So Bandora, being sealed away for that long, is like, I'm pissed off because you sealed me away for so long. So I'm going to wreak havoc on the planet because I hate the planet. The planet can go screw itself. And I hate children. So, of course, I have to hate children, too. And now, right now, what she does in this episode is that she takes uh, a shuttle, the shuttle that was stolen in episode one with the kids in it. Uh, and when she shrunk it, she also launched it onto Earth to distract the Jew Rangers, and she summons her other monster of the week for this episode, which is Dora Skeleton, which is a skeleton monster, because most of the monsters in this show are based off of actual mythical creatures. And they fight the Dora Skeleton, and they also have to stop the shuttle from being blown up by two of Bandora's henchmen, which are Bookback and Topat, from blowing it up. And they end up defeating the Dora monster, uh, Dora skeleton, and then the Dora titan shows up again. And what happens is, is that the first guardian beast, uh, the Tyrannosaurus, is summons, comes out, and defeats... Dora Titan, and they saved the kids. So, um, for this episode, um, I wanted to uh, talk about some of the other characters because I said you you said you really liked Geki, but what do you think of the other characters? Goshi, Dan, Boy, and May for the heroes. 
So I feel like I, you know, in the second episode, I still didn't see a lot of their personality as much in the later episodes. Um, so for May, she just seemed kind of one note just for, you know, just for the first two episodes. Um, Goshi as as well. I mean, boy, it just seems like, I don't know. He's just like this little cute, like sweet little baby face hero. Um, so I just wanted to pinch his cheeks. Um, but he also seemed, I mean, he seemed like one of the younger, uh, zoo rangers, if that's correct. Um, but yeah, then... boy, boy is the youngest. Okay. Okay. So that all makes sense then. Um, and then Don, he, you know, you could tell that he was a little silly, a little bit of a wild card. Um, and so then he kind of was slowly becoming my favorite because, yeah, I mean, I'm all about the silly. The wild card characters are always so much fun. And um, so, yeah, I could see a little bit of change in who I was liking the best just based off of more exposure to their personalities throughout the episodes. Oh, I completely forgot to ask in the first uh, when we were talking about episode one. Um, Barza, the character Barza, who is the mentor character of the, uh, the Jew Rangers, what did you think of him? Oh my God. He was, I feel like I keep saying every, how, like, everybody was so cute, but he was just adorable. Um, I, you know, I was kind of like, what is this old man doing? He's just like on a roof watering stuff. But then when he brings out his huge ear, his huge, like what looks like an elf ear as he's hearing, you know, um, Pandora kind of get released from this prison she was in. I was like, well, what the hell is this guy all about? You know? <laughs> um, and it was kind of cool to see him, you know, transform into, I mean, I'm not sure what his, you know, that, that role is called when he's kind of assembling or, you know, getting the, the zoo rangers out from their essential like stasis. Um, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're, their suspended animation state. Right, right. And so, you know, seeing seeing that he had something like that to do, uh, I liked it, and it kind of made me excited to see his role in the future episodes. Like, is he going to, you know, is he just going to be the assembler, or is he going to, like, start sharing all of these details and lore with the with the yeah. rangers that end up helping you know further along maybe backstory on bondora um so i i did like his introduction because it, it didn't feel like like i don't i mean overwhelming is maybe not the t right type of word but it didn't feel like overtly like in your face like this is the guy who knows everything about the everything and stuff but it seems like they gave a lot of room for him to develop and to show his importance yeah. and that's what just yeah. came off to me but i don't know obviously i don't know uh well i mean his role leads well ba barza is the mentor character he is the character that assembles the heroes and gives them advice and everything like that like pretty much te teaches them lessons and make sure they're you know not s screwing up their job yeah <laughs> um so what I will also say, one thing we'll do for uh, 
uh, uh, for all the episodes is that I wanted to give talk about like rate the uh, the monsters of the week. So we're so for in this case there were two because there was the uh, the Dora Titan in episode one, and then there was Dora Skeleton in episode two. So let's start with Dora Titan, since technically this is the first monster of the week that we see. How did you like the design of Dora Titan? It, you know, I think when I think of a Titan, and this is probably also um, influenced based on other things that I've been watching, um, I guess I don't really envision kind of like this armored, uh, you know, humanoid. So that actually caught me by surprise a little bit. I don't know why it caught me by surprise. Um, but that caught me by surprise a little bit to see, like, you know, it just looks like a like a, like a a big-ass robot. Um, and so, I mean, I did think it was cool how he was, like, trashing everything and grabbing shit. And, um, but, I mean, I got to say, the Dora skeleton, I mean, that guy looked fucking sick. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed that that monster. Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because I'm so into skeletons <laughs> and skulls and weird emo shit. But, like, <laughs> I love how he had all these extra bones and he had just, like, the, the big-ass shoulders. And he had a freaking cape and a witch's hat. I mean, he was, like, I, I, I feel like that was the full monster experience that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> okay, so okay, that's cool because I'm kind of on the same page with you. I think Dora Skeleton is was the cooler looking monster of the week. Although one thing I will think is kind of cool about Dora Titan, and with all the mythic, with all the monsters, like I said, all of the monsters of the week are based on um, mythical creatures of some kind. So according to what I've researched, uh, Dora Titan is based on Greek titans from, uh, um, from Greek mythology, so, which is why it's so tall, because yeah. they're, uh, they're deities. So deities in Greek mythology tend to be bigger. So that's why he's so tall. And skeleton, Dora Skeleton, it, uh, there's a lot of mythologies with skeleton creatures in them. I'm not sure if Dora Skeleton is specific. Yeah, no, according yeah, according to what I've looked up, um, it's just based on like skeleton creatures from most uh, mythologies. So that's I mean, uh, that's what he's based on. But I'm not gonna lie. I mean, ooh, hold up. Yeah, I gotta show. I gotta show you this. Hold on, I'm gonna bring this up for you. His, the concept art for Dora Skeleton is actually pretty freaking dope here. I'm gonna show you this really, really quick. The they're not gonna see it, but we're gonna see it because I gotta show you this. Look at that. Oh my god, dude. Okay, I'm gonna add that to my D and D campaign. Shit. <laughs> That's like. Ooh, I know the first monster and do you do know? Um God, that's pretty I mean, that's so awesome. I mean, I love how they made him have muscles made out of bones. Like Yeah, that concept art is really freaking dope. Um so 
so after that episode, we go into episode three, which is Land of Despair. In that episode, um, the Jew Rangers end up go having to go into this place called the Land of Despair. The reason why is because, well, two reasons. One, a kid named Hiroshi and his mother get trapped there by Bandora because Bandora likes to screw with children and is a meanie meanie when it comes to children. Mm. <laughs> so she's a bit of a witch. She's a, well, she like, is a witch. but total witch. She's all, all forms <laughs> and of the word. The second reason is, is that in the previous episode, uh, their weapons got destroyed by Dora skeletons, so now they have to get new ones. And there's these legendary weapons that are on the island that were originally made after they were uh, a dragon. A five-headed dragon was decapitated, and the five weapons came out of the heads. And now they're stuck on the land of despair. But the trick is, is that... If you feel despair, you get turned into stone. It's almost like that uh, that sea of despair from uh, the Neverending Story, where like the horse freaking dies <laughs> because it's sad. Um, kind of like, but it's kind of like that. And um, you also have to get the weapons within a, a day and twenty four hours, or else you get turned to stone too. <laughs> and of course, Bandora knows that they're going to do that, so she sends another monster called the Dora Minotaur after them. And the Jew Rangers have to fight the Minotaur, both regular size and giant sized. And they're also trying to face the time limit uh, and to get the weapons. So for this episode, uh, I'm just going to ask you because for this because there is a lot of lore happening in this show. Uh how how do you feel about the uh the lore and the way they handle um mythology and even theology in this show? Well, you know, I I didn't realize um that both mythology and theology would be involved in this show. And I I do really like Greek mythology, so I was pretty stoked to see a Minotaur. Um, but this episode in particular, I think, was my favorite. Um, it seems like there was, like, a lot going on. Um, yeah, I felt like, you know, oh, the, you know, something that was in the previous episodes, that was also in this episodes, were the golems. Um and I've just been I've been enjoying the golems as well. Um, I love the little claymation bits of when they like resurrect the golems. Um, yeah, for for concept for people, the the golems are the mooks of this Sentai series. Of course, anybody who watches uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers knows that they're called the Putty Patrollers. It's that's what they are, which is so cute. So. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. I always thought it was cool that in this they were called golems because it makes sense. They, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Um, but I, I, I also really love how they handle combining all these different uh, mythologies and even theologies into the story. And I, like I said before, uh, many times with people, you know, you can argue, you can say you don't like Jew Ranger, but you cannot deny that the lore in the show really is really fun. Yeah, it seems like it was such a, like, they put a lot of thought into 
you know, things that on the surface level you might not notice, but when you, you know, rewatch like, like you have and you shared with me the things that you've seen, um, you know, it really shows the amount of time, effort, and, like, the care that they have for this show. Like, they really want it to be solid. And so you can see that, and I think that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think um, the show really knows how to use mythology to its advantage and get really creative with the monster designs and creative with how they handle certain things. So... Um, at the end of the episode, unfortunately, Hiroshi gets turned to stone because he's too sad. He's so, so sad. So they're stuck in a point where they have to get the weapons. They're fighting everybody. Uh, Dan, Goshi, and Geki are dealing with the Minotaur. And Boy and Mei are dealing with Griffizar, who's one of uh, Bandora's uh, henchmen, who is a griffin. Which is another thing I should mention. All the... Uh, uh, all the all of Dora, Bandora's uh, henchmen are based on mythical creatures too. Like uh, Pre Lip uh, is a leprechaun, obviously, and he creates the monsters. And uh, Topat is a kind of like a vampire type monster, I believe. Hold on, I'm actually gonna double check that. But also Bookback, who is kind of like a troll. I believe he's supposed to be a troll. I believe I believe he's supposed to be a troll. I don't think he's either a troll or like something else. Hold on, I'm just gonna double check and make sure. Because like I said, even though I'm knowledgeable and I've seen this many many times, sometimes I can get things wrong. So yeah, he's not. It doesn't really say anything about him being a troll. He's just a weird looking creature, and Topad is pretty much like a. Almost like a vampire. That's the one with the sick ass wings, right? Yeah, no, no, the one with the sick wings is Griffizar. Griffiz, see, I'm, I'm telling you and everybody else right now, I'm probably gonna have a hard time remembering which characters are which names, especially the monsters or like the henchmen. Like, just I mean, names with humans in my real life is already difficult, so it's it's gonna yeah, translate yeah. into so- this too. So I just looked it up. I am correct. It is a goblin. Uh, Bookback is a goblin. He's a hobgoblin. And Topat is a vampire. Yeah, they, they're they pretty ugly. They did a good job on those costumes. Yeah. So we're going to go into episode four of the Daijujin arc. Now, in this episode, which is called We Awaken Legendary Weapons, it has been... Over 12 hours since they were on the island, and now they are short on time and have to find the weapons. So what happens is is that they're still separated, but then um, eventually they find each other. They realize that uh, Hiroshi is stuck in stone, and they're running out of time. And of course, Pandora is still on their trail. Uh, they have to go through so many different trials, like going around in circles, but then realizing there's like a barrier between them and it smashes through, they have to smash through it. And other trials where they have to like grab a sword that's, has evil, that possesses you and makes you become bad. 
And then, of course, towards the end, once they do all those trials, Bandora shows up and it's just like, oh, I'm not going to let you get these weapons. I'm going to stick you here and wait until you turn to stone. But then, of course, Geki, being the leader, is calls out to the weapons. The weapons answer. They The weapons free them from being turned into stone. And then they fight the Minotaur, defeat the Minotaur by combining the legendary weapons which also, when they transform into the Jew Rangers, their legendary weapons also turn into Ranger weapons. So Geki gets uh, the Ryu Gekiken, which is the pretty much a dragon sword. Uh, Goshi gets the Mothbreaker, which is a axe that also can be used as a gun later in the show. Uh, Dan gets the... Uh, Tricera Lance. Um, Boy gets the Saber Daggers, and May gets the Terra Arrows. And when they combine those together, they create the Howling Cannon, which is a weapon of men's power, which destroys the Minotaur. But of course, Bandora being Bandora, she gets salty. She transforms into a giant and tries to destroy the Land of Despair, while they're still there, obviously fails, and now they're more of a team, and everything is starting to come together more for the Jew Rangers. Now, um, for this episode, um, I will ask, um, how do you like, um, starting with the Jew Rangers, how do you like the dynamic between the Jew Rangers as a team? Uh, compared to how Bandora is with her henchmen. So there is definitely um, this feeling of cohesiveness and like genuine care for each other amongst the Rangers. Um, I I like how, you know, Geki, he's, he's the leader. He's just still got a little bit of leader vibe, but not overpowering. Um in this one, it seems like May is kind of the the straight headed one. Like that's the I, the vibe that I'm getting is she's maybe a little more serious. Um, Don has has been. I mean, he's just a little goofball. I love him. Uh, and as as for Boy and Koshi, I you know it seemed like they were more of just teammates than individuals to me um and i yeah it was a little bit harder for me to get a read on their personalities i think goshi seemed like you know like a kind of like the happier side of of you know geki's role in the sense that he's still you know this strong character you know, physically, and it seems like the way that he carries himself, you know, he seems pretty comfortable, confident um, in himself. And boy, you know, he he still seems just like this uh, this little sweetie who's just like there to help out, you know, like he just wants to help. But I feel like, you know, I still didn't get quite a good read of him as an individual. Um, and now with Bandora... Uh, obviously her henchmen are very fun comic relief. Um, but she is just like, ooh, she's like dictator, warlord. I mean, 
She's always screaming about how she wants to kill children. Like, that sort of, <laughs> yeah, it's like that sort of attitude also translates into how she treats treats her henchmen just a little bit. Um, because it seems like she's much, you know, quote unquote, kinder to her henchmen than all of the other, you know, all the people on Earth. But it's really not, you know, kind. It's just she doesn't it seems like she doesn't get as irritated by them to the point of being furious and rage filled. Yeah, she doesn't want to kill her henchmen. She just wants to rough them around a bit. Unlike Ex- the humans. Exactly. She's like, I'm still boss. You still need to remember that. But like you are helping me out. So keep helping me out. Yeah. No. Uh, do you have a favorite henchman? Oh, gosh. Um, is it is it Topak, the the kind of bluish one? Uh, well, the book uh, Topak and Bookback are kind of blue. Is it the goblin or the vampire that you like more? The goblin, the little one. The, the goblin, that's Bookback. Okay, so I liked Bookback. He seemed to... Um... <laughs> I like the part when he's like starting to build a monster and she's like, are you ready yet? And he's like, excuse me, this is art. You can't rush art. Oh, that's a, no, that's um, that's a pre-leprechaun. Pre-leprechaun. See, I'm like, already episode one and I'm like, can't get it. Um, this, this is why we have this podcast. Right? So we can learn. <laughs> For all the people like me. Um, but yeah, no, I liked him the most uh griffithor i actually i mean i think he was good at um you know some physical comedy things um and so i liked that too but per leprechaun i i just kind of liked his attitude and his little like quips that nobody would really like acknowledge i guess like he'd just say them and bandora instead of being like well hurry this shit up and like you know really like grill into him she was just I don't even remember what she said. You know, she might have been like, well, hurry up and then walked away. But she wasn't like, well, you know, berating or anything. So it seems like he does have this kind of maybe the status within the group of henchmen where he kind of seems like a little more of like the leader of them. Yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, Griff, Griffizar, um, who is the, the griffin, the one with the wings. Um, is definitely, like, he can be funny at times, but he's more of the, the badass of the group because he's the one who's going into and fighting all the time. Uh, but Pretty Leprechaun definitely does at times feel like he's the like the mastermind behind the other henchmen because while the other henchmen are being silly and doing stupid stuff, he's just sitting there just being like, I am trying to make beautiful monster art right. so we can kill the Jew Rangers. Will you please <laughs> shut the hell up? Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to put it. He is like the mastermind and Griffiths are, you know, I think part of what makes him funny at times is he is this big, you know, he's the tank. He's like the tank of the group. And so when he does something that's just like, meh, I don't really care about this right now. Like, he just goes and lays down in a corner, or he just goes to sleep. It's like, yeah, exactly. He just goes to sleep. There's literally, in the second episode, he's literally just passing out in the background, Yeah, and so I thought, that, like, those are those are the moments when I think they're funny, because you got this big toughy who's always going into battle, and he's like, I'll just take a nap. You know, shit like that. Um, 
Okay, so we're going to hop right into episode five, which is called Scary Riddles. Now, this one this one was a, a fair amount because episode five and episode six kind of like conjoin into one um, in this one. Uh, but episode in episode five, um, we have a new monster of the week, uh, Dora Sphinx, who uh, has a human disguise and he's going around different uh, parks where children are and having them solve riddles. If they don't solve the riddle, they get blasted away. And the Jew Rangers are realizing that there are children missing. They go out and they try to figure out where the children are going. And there's a side part (laughs) where Dan is trying to hit on a bunch of girls. And I'm just like, okay, I know you're being an idiot right now, but I get it. It's been 170 million years since you've seen another female. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going you're gonna to have feelings. Yeah. I, you're going to be a little horny. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a really, you know, like he's, that's what I mean by he's like the wild card goofball. Like he's just running with the feeling, you know, he's not taking a second to think like if you shout, hey, cutie to all the girls, they might not be like super receptive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he's just so stoked on like being back in life that he's like, look at all this great things. Oh, girls, that's a part of the great things of life. Uh, I liked that. (laughs) Yeah. So in the episode, um, Boy ends up getting the riddles done with the Sphinx and ends up getting blown away too. So Dan feels upset. So he tries to do the same thing so that the other Jew Rangers can figure out what's going on. And then it turns out that they're all being transformed into trees, but with a twist. The trees are part of a construction site that's going to cut them down. And when they're cut down, that means they're going to die. So what they have to do is they have to stop the Sphinx from killing the kids. But also in the episode, uh, Geki keeps seeing visions. And in episode six, we learn more about that. Um, but before we actually go into episode six, since they're, it's kind of conjoined, so I wanted to kind of collaborate on both episodes at once. Um, what did you think of uh, Dora Sphinx? Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed Dora Sphinx. I was also trying to figure out the riddles, and I could tell I would have been a tree in, like, two seconds. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I I enjoyed, I mean, it was kind of, like, you know, taking it back to that super silly place of, like, these are just riddles, you know? But then if, like, one of my favorite parts was every time somebody doesn't get the riddle right, he says, you are such a loser. And I was like, okay, like, I get that you're evil, but, like, you're talking to, like, children, like, hey, (laughs) eight-year-old, you're such a loser. Like, could you imagine? Uh, So I got a big kick out of that. Um, I also... I can just just imagine freaking Doris Finks with, like, a freaking, like, valley girl voice who's like, you are such a loser. Right? That would fit so perfect. Get out of here. Get out. I'm, I'm making you leave. Get thrown across the sky and put in a tree. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I just love that. So, um, towards the, at the end of episode five, uh, he summons uh, uh, Geki, I should say, summons um, uh, the Tyrannosaurus. and But the Tyrannosaurus takes him into his vision, which goes into episode six, which is, Arise, die, Jujin. And... 
in that episode, uh, the vision that he's shown is that the world is destroyed and everybody else died except for him. And uh, the, the Guardian Beasts are telling him, if you don't find Daiju, find a way to release Daiju Jin by finding the Dino Crystals, this is what's going to happen. So after he sees this vision, um, he goes back to Earth, to, well, reality, I should say. And Dora Sphinx and Gryphazar are giant, because Bondora made them giant, and are trying to go after Geki. Um, his, his sword reveals the location of the Dino Crystals. He uses the Dino Crystals to free the others, and then they summon the Guardian Beasts, which... I should have mentioned earlier are, of course, the Tyrannosaurus, and then there's uh, Jew Mammoth, which is the Mammoth one, and then Triceratops, uh, Saber Tiger, which is the Saber Tooth Tiger one, and Pteranodon. Yes, it is a Pteranodon, not a Pterodactyl, but it's called a Pterodactyl in Power Rangers. Why? Because Americans are not familiar enough with their dinosaurs. You know, I am curious if a Pterodon is a type of pterosaur. It could, well, I well, we can look that up later. I'm not going into a whole know, research on that side. It is a pterosaur. Side. Okay, so I okay, I'm just proud okay. of myself because my dad is so obsessed with dinosaurs that if I got this wrong, like there is no like I I would have some shame. That is yeah. I didn't know that about. Oh yeah, dad. he collects like these like every holiday, every birthday. He wants these like dinosaur figures made by Papo. You should you should show him this. I know, he'd be like, no, but he'd be like, oh, okay. Because, I mean, my dad is like, yeah, he's a white boy. Um, from, like, <laughs> I'm one generation off the farm. That's what he says. So One generation off the farm. Yeah. I love it. Um, um, so um, in after the Durangers are released, um, they summon the Guardian Beast, like I was saying before. Um and then they combine them. First, they combine into a tank form, which is called the Dino Tanker. And wait, I, wait, that, it's Dino Tank or Dino Tanker. I want to make sure I am <laughs> not getting this run wrong. I tend to, I tend to, I tend to um, screw up uh, the naming of some of these. And I, I feel stupid too because we literally just watched this before recording. Oh, it's the pressure. It's totally just the pressure. Um, so I just want to double check and make sure. I think it's Dino Tank. I think I remember seeing that in the subtitles. Or Dinosaur Tank. Yeah, it's called, yeah, I, okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> um, they first transform it into that, and then it transforms into Daijujin, which pretty much in this story is pretty much God. And um, they are having a bit of trouble defeating... The Dora Sphinx. The Sphinx starts um, spouting riddles again, but to trick the Sphinx, they uh, purposely have him overhear that the toughest riddle would actually be his weakness, so they can actually reveal what his weakness is. So he uses, he gets tricked, uses that as his riddle. He tries to blow them away, but then they summon the sword of of Daijujin, which is called the God Horn and slice him at his weak point, which is the snake on top of his head. And he's destroyed. And with that, uh, the, of course, their teamwork gets a bit stronger. Now, here is the here is the one question I know a lot of people are probably going to be wondering. 
how you're going to react to it because this is going to be a lot of pressure from both the Power Rangers and the Toku oh side. Oh, God. Oh, God. What do you think of Daijujin's design? I, I mean, I actually... Okay, so I liked it. There was one part that confused me. Where did his chest plate come from? Like, it just came out of nowhere. Oh, the, the, you mean the chest part? Yeah. Oh, the, um... The, uh, the, 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 uh, pterodon is the chest. Uh, cause I thought, okay, see, there's five of them, right? So I thought yeah. that, you know, a leg for each one, which was the saber and the triceratops. Then I thought the two arms were the pterodon. Yeah, two arms are, are no, no, the two arms are, uh, Jew mammoth. Oh, okay. Because I thought pterodon and I, yeah, were the two arms, and then I thought the mammoth was like the torso, and that the tyrannosaur was the head. So yeah, no, no, the no, the uh, the tyrannosaurus is the torso and the head. Okay. And pterodon is the chest part. Okay, so I knowing that now, um, I I do really like how everything fit together. I was very curious how the feet were gonna go, the legs and the feet. I was like, how the fuck are they gonna turn those two tanker wheels into like feet that looked like the same, that were flat, that had like you know smooth flat edges, you know for the most part. Um, I'm I'm really scared of who I'm gonna get in trouble with for saying all of these things, but <laughs> you know, um, don't yuck my yum, everyone. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, why you're the kohai and I, I know. you're right this is a lot of pressure um but yeah no i actually did like the design i mean i don't know how i feel about mammoth taking up like two arms and yeah i i that's what i'm a little like i wish it was a little more evenly distributed I mean, okay, so I always loved it. I'm a little biased because, you know, this is te- this is Daijujin is just a really cool design. I love the uh like the horns. Okay, yeah. And the... like the kind of like mythical he like it's funny too because like this in Power Rangers this is the first ever Megazord. So like I do have my bias because of that, of why I really like Daijujin. But there's just something about the way he's designed that if knowing that in Ranger he's supposed to be a god, he does kind of have, like, a deity presence to his design. He does. Absolutely. And, like, especially with, like, the horns. Like, the horns are kind of shaped almost like a crown. Yeah, and almost like he seems like a warrior deity. Well, it makes sense because um, Daijujin in Japanese roughly translates to great beast god. Okay, so this works on a couple different levels then. He's a great beast because he's made up of great beasts, but he's also a great beast because he's himself. Yeah, this, it, he, he does look like this giant robot god of... of I don't know. I want to say carnage. I was I was getting a little excited <laughs> there. Um, no, that would be Pandora's thing. But um, no, he does look like this powerful, like I think, kind of like Thor esque type of god, where he's you know he's got all the muscle, he's got you know all that shit. But then he's got this this helmet which has the the horns, right? And that kind of reminds me of like 
Vikings a little bit. You know, these these warriors, and here's like this Viking god, mechanical Viking god, kind of. Yeah, no, like Daiju, Daiju, I just love, I love the design of, uh, of, I just love, I'm biased, I'm biased, I am biased, because I grew, I grew up with this in the 90s, and I, I love the design, but, um, coming from somebody like you who is not familiar with this, it's kind of cool to hear, I, I think it's just kind of cool that you were just like, yeah, there's some parts of it that kind of look disproportionate, like, it doesn't make sense, but, like, it's Sentai, you know? Sometimes the proportions are not going to make sense. You know, and that's fine, you know, especially in one of the more, you know... It's it's interesting, you and I had discussed this a little bit about how, you know, if you... The, the show, the content of the show is... There's a lot of dark parts, but the way that they present the show seems very light-hearted, well, right? You know, yeah, it's... that makes sense because um, at the time, from what I can tell, from what I can tell based on the, the other Sentais that came before it and this one, it is very clear at this point in when they were doing um, Sentai, they really wanted to aim very firmly at a younger audience because it's clear that like there were because there were a lot of times in older sentai where you would see body counts in the show and it was very clear that the days of that were like not as prominent and because it does show in a lot of like shows that came before it that like some kids were not watching it because it was too dark and kids were kind of uh, scary, terrified. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they were terrified. They were terrified. So they had to figure out how to, um, you know, make sure their key audience, which is kids, because it's a common misconception about because like a lot of people think this is for older kids, because like even when we were watching it, um, it it's rated TVPG by our standards by our standards and TVPG means like it is not really a kids show. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But the American in Japan <laughs> this is a kids show. This is a kids show. This is made for children. So, but like going into that, the darker elements, especially everything with Bandora. Bandora literally gets joy out of killing children. And she literally works with Satan. Doesn't she say something yes. about like, oh, Satan, like, here's Yes, my, yes. In, the, in one whatever. of the episodes, she talks about how much she loves Satan, which, of course, when they were adapting it in America, they, they couldn't do that. Oh, my God, I bet. The, the moms, such an uproar. The, the moms and dads of America, if they saw that, oh, my goodness gracious, they, they would have, they would have flipped out. Because, uh, we'll get it. We'll definitely get into more of that when we get into our next episode, which is going to be on Mighty Morphin, which we're going to talk about the adap- the adapted episodes that we just watched. Um, but like, there's a reason why it was changed in America. But like, this is why I always say people underestimate this show. Um, so 
Wow. So one thing. So final thoughts on the show uh, for you. Um, what do you think of the show so far from the first arc, the Daijujin arc? And would you recommend this to somebody? So, I mean, I would definitely recommend this to my friends who are, you know, into anime, into already into something that is a part of, you know, the art of Japanese culture. Um, I do think that these episodes are a great setup. You know, I think that. I, I am curious to see where it goes because it seems like, okay, now we've got the introduction of all the, you know, the big characters. We've seen a little bit of what they can do, but, you know, we just got to the part where, um, you know, all all these beasts come together. And, you know, it makes me very curious as to what's coming up next. Is Benjora still going to be the head honcho villain? Are they going to mix up villains? Like, you know, so I am super down to keep keep at this and see where it goes. So you would, you definitely want to see how this show goes. Oh, absolutely. Forward. I am, I am interested. So yeah, you would, so you would definitely watch this on your own if you wanted to. Yes. And I think if I were to recommend it, at this moment, after seeing these four episodes, it would probably be to a specific group of, or you know, a, a group of people with specific interests. I, I, I hate, I hate to mansplain you right now, Howie Kohai, but it's six episodes. What did I say? Four. You said four. God damn it! <laughs> See, nobody hate on me. Nobody hate on me. <laughs> I love numbers, but I'm just I'm just bad sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, it's there okay. were six episodes. Yeah. Well, we're well. We definitely will in the future watch all of the arcs because uh, we will definitely get into that. But I've said before, our next episode is going to be us comparing the uh, the American version. But um, they better have somebody again. as hot for Bandora. Like <laughs> you know. If they don't, you 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 have the hots for Bandora. I do. So so your final thoughts are: if you were to recommend this, it would be for a certain for mostly people who are already into Japanese culture to begin with. Correct. That is where I'm at with that. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. for me personally, I think if you are a fan of mythology and or theology in any way shape or form this would be a fun show for you to watch to compare and contrast like different mythologies how they use it and how they implement it in their shows um and also yeah if you like anime i always recommend anime fans to look into it because especially since there's so many anime fans that like will watch like a hundred and something episodes of an anime but won't watch this and this is only like 50 episodes i believe so that is our that is our first episode of japanese power rangers for dummies and obviously we learned a lot today and i hope you guys enjoyed uh our little student gathering of educating the people on this wonderful world of 
people in spandex fighting each other. I mean, I feel educated. And we will see you in episode two, where we will talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So for now, have a good one. If you like what you heard, please join our Patreon for exclusive content, share with your friends, and of course, stay with us for Episode 2.